want to try to make you just a little bit uncomfortable. I want you to stand with me for a moment as we pray together before we read the Bible. If you can, if you can. Just want to give you a little breather. Let the blood circulate through every part of your body. And I want you to rejoice with me this morning because it is a time to rejoice. How many appreciate the fact that we are able to fellowship like this once again? How many appreciate that? Come on, come on. Amen. We're supposed to appreciate. We're supposed to be thankful to God that we can worship and fellowship like this in person. I want you to bow your heads with me as we get our hearts prepared to hear the Word of God. Father, we thank you this morning. We praise your holy and precious name. You are so worthy to be praised. Father, you are so worthy to be praised. You are so worthy to be praised. We thank you so much for the worship set. Thank you for the music. Thank you for how it warms the heart, how it warms the soul, how it elevates us into your presence. We are so thankful, Father, for this morning, for our time together in fellowship, for sure, but more importantly, for our time in your presence. And I pray, Lord God, that as we as we stand in your presence, that you help us with this process of opening our hearts and opening our minds. It is easy, so easy, Lord God, to be wrapped up in, in, in just so many things things that that are so pervasive in society today that we forget how worthy you are to be praised. We forget that when we find ourselves in a setting like this, in your presence, how we ought to freely worship you. How how we should praise you and magnify your holy name. We are so thankful this morning, Lord God, in spite of the warmth, in spite of the heat, the humidity. uh, Regardless, we are in your presence and I am so thankful. Help us, Lord God, as we prepare our hearts and minds to hear from you. Help us just turn aside now and see the glory of the Lord as you reveal yourself through your holy scriptures. We thank you for this. We praise you this morning in the precious and mighty name of Jesus Christ and all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. This morning, if you're taking down notes, is that okay? I put my glasses here. Can you still hear me? Okay, good. If you're taking down any notes whatsoever, the title this morning is The Element of Faith. Write that down if you will. The element of faith. And the purpose of this message, as always, is to just simply give us perspective about the one thing the Lord has given to us as believers to live by. Faith. I'm going to say that again. God has given us one thing to live by, and that is our faith. It is the essence of who we are as children of God. Faith serves as our foundation. And we find this truth, this truth about faith, um, throughout the entirety of the Bible. From cover, to cover, from cover to cover, we find this truth about faith. And as you know, the world today has become extremely colorful, if I could put it that way. Colorful on so many, so many different levels. There are many voices and standards by which to live by today. And everyone and everything seems to be pulling us in a certain direction. Like the wind that beats upon the sails of a boat, that vessel is at the mercy of the wind's direction. 
except of course when the owner is at the wheel directing his boat in spite of the forces around them. In fact, a good sailor uses the strain for the wind to move in the direction he intends. And in like manner, as believers today, you and I must exercise our faith if we are to survive the storms of life. How many know that today? We have to exercise our faith if we are to survive the storms of life. Although it doesn't mean we will get it right every single time. Jesus once said this. Uh, put this down. If you're taking notes, Matthew 24, 12. Jesus said once concerning the last days. He said, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of many will grow cold. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of many will grow cold. And those are the times in which we live in today. These are indeed the last days. And so the admonishment, the encouragement is that we as believers are supposed to exercise our faith because if we do not, we may indeed lose it to a degree. And I'm going to use this illustration. How many of you like going to the gym from time to time? I mean, Clancy, you like the gym? You like the gym? Yeah. Uh, Mona, Mona, Mona likes the gym. All right. Nice, nice. Anybody else? Anybody? Don, Don, the gym? No? Maybe? No? Uh, Jen, you like the gym from time to time? No? In your house, in your house. Nice. And, and of course, myself and Roy and a number of vet and others, we appreciate getting on the bike. And the reason why we do it is because there, it, you, you got to exercise the physical body. If not, it's going to deteriorate in so many ways. We don't want the muscle to atrophy and turn into fat, etc., etc. So you either use it or lose it. And in so many ways, the same principle applies to faith. you got to exercise faith. Somebody once said that faith is a muscle that needs to be exercised. Hebrews chapter 11. Are you there? Say amen. amen. Look with me to verse 1. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report or a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. Verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, and was not found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them who diligently seek Him. By faith Noah, verse 7, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Drop down to verse 17. <clears throat> By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, 
from which he also received him in a figurative sense. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Verse 21, by faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff, by faith Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Let me pray once more, please. Indulge me. Father, thank you for the amazing word of God that we get to read on a regular basis. Thank you for the truth of scripture. Thank you for this one particular passage. This idea, this topic, this, this theme concerning faith. It is an extremely important topic. And we pray, Lord God, that as we fellowship together, as we break bread together in your presence concerning this particular passage, that you may give us insight, that you may give us the wisdom that is necessary to live our lives according to your will. Bless us now, Lord God, in Jesus' wonderful name. And God's people say once again, Last week we spoke extensively about the prophet Habakkuk. How many remember that last week? There are a number of things I talked about last week. Number one, I mentioned the prophet Habakkuk's acute sensitivity related to the vision that he had received from the Lord. The word, the, the first verse in that chapter that we talked about last week uses the word burden in my version. And we talked about that. We tried to unpack that uh, uh, just a little bit. And I understand personally that the it, it was a very important word from the Lord to the prophet Habakkuk concerning the judgment that was going to fall upon the nation of Israel. I use that word Israel loosely because it was a judgment upon Judah. Amen. And secondly, I also highlighted the pain that the prophet must have felt knowing that God was about to judge his people. How many of you from time to time, from time to time, think along those lines as it relates to what is happening prophetically um, today in our lives? I think about it all the time. That's, exa that's exactly at least why I believe from time to time I may come across as a little bit harsh. It's because I'm always studying the, 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 the eschatology uh, passages, the prophecy passages, and, and I get this sensitivity um, that relates to these last days we find ourselves in. And these are difficult times. And sometimes if we fail to understand the scriptures carefully, at least in terms of how they apply to the days in which we live in, we would believe the notion that somehow, some way, as time progresses, things are going to get better. When the reality is, things are going to get worse. Let me submit to you right here, right now, that things are going to get worse. They are not going to get better. It's a delusion. It's a lie. Study the scriptures and you will see this is the season. I believe it with all my heart. Not another gray hair is going to develop on my head. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. I, I'm not afraid of putting myself out there. Jesus gave us a host of signs in Matthew chapter 24. The, the, the disciples and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they kind of wanted to, to pull out of him a date, a time. When are these things going to come to pass? And Jesus Christ refused to give them that information, but he did give them signs to look for. And I don't know about you, I don't know whether your radar is up or not, 
But the things that Jesus Christ spoke about are unfolding in our lifetime today. Anyway, with regard to last week's passage, the main takeaway from that message as it relates to this one was the idea the Lord placed within the heart of the prophet concerning faith. Habakkuk chapter 2, you don't have to turn there. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4, it reads as follows. He says, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. So the prophet Habakkuk was trying to make sense of the calamity, of the injustices, of everything that was unfolding in society back then. And when he took it before the Lord in prayer, God spoke to him, I understand what is happening in the hearts of those who do not know me, of those who have chosen not to serve me, but concerning you and others just like you, live by faith. I want you to take your eyes off them, place them on me, and live according to my word by faith. And I think that's so relevant to you and I today. Because there are so many voices, there's so much noise in society today. And we can easily become distracted and lose sight on the things that matter most in life. So Habakkuk learned that day to a greater degree that faith is the essence of the life of a believer. Amen, somebody. Faith is the essence of your life and mine. And the reason is because, point number one, faith is a supernatural conviction. Faith is a supernatural conviction. One that allows us to see beyond the natural world around us. Look at verse 1, Hebrews 11. It says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, faith is believing in God, though we cannot see Him, and trusting in His Word to be absolutely true for your life and mine today. Amen, somebody. I, I, how many trust the Word of God today? In spite of what is happening in your life, in spite of the news that you have heard, how many are really, really trusting in the Lord? Many of you know, if not all of you, if you look at your emails or your text messages, I put out a text yesterday, the day before, I'm not sure when it was, concerning a, a, a family member of mine, a very close cousin of mine. I'm not going to belabor this because I don't want to get emotional in front of you. Uh, but one of my closest cousins just died. He was found unresponsive uh, a couple of days ago, and we are not sure uh, the cause of death. Um, they're going to do an autopsy, of course, because we want some answers. We want to know exactly what happened. And, and you know, I, I wrestle. I'm, I'm, I will be honest, I'm wrestling. I'm wrestling. It, you know, God has never promised that the sky over our head is going to be blue all the time. He's never given me that particular promise. He just asks us to trust Him and to move along. And sometimes we end up making decisions that, 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 that uproots us or whatever the case may be because of the difficulty of the burden. And God understood that concerning the prophet Habakkuk. He understood that. And so he told him, he settled his heart, live by faith. Put aside the emotions, put aside the philosophy, the intellectualism, live by faith. In fact, think of faith as an acronym. F-A-I-T-H Facts activated in the heart Facts or truth as in truth Facts 
activated in the heart. And Jesus put it beautifully in John 8.32 when he said, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And of course, when he uses that word know in that passage, I think we spoke about this once before, the Greek word is likened to the joining of a husband and wife. In that most intimate sense of the word. To know God, to know His Word, to know His truth, to embrace it, to take ownership of the Word of God in a personal and intimate way so that in turn it will revolutionize your spiritual DNA. That's, it. That's what God wants from us. The truth is, faith should never be perceived in any other way, although it seems apparent that today, for whatever reason, the church has been overrun by logic, but I digress. I want to read another verse to you. 2 Timothy chapter 4, 2-4. to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2, 3, and 4 says, Preach the word. It says, Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Did you hear that? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap for themselves teachers, and they will turn the ears away from the truth and be turned turned aside to fable. Turned aside to fable. That is happening more and more and more as time progresses in the church. Let me put it this way, because from time to time when I say things like that, or anybody else says things like that, and it comes across as if it's an indictment upon the church, we can kind of get discouraged easily, right? If we're not careful, we're not listening with both ears. But somebody wants to put it this way. Think about the reasons why society is the way that it is today. And let me ask you, why do you suppose society has become, has transformed itself. You know, society, somebody said, is heading to hell in the handbasket, right? Because we have denounced God. We've rejected God. Society, not, 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 not the church. Society wants nothing to do with God and the things that pertain to God. It's the reason why we have the rioting, the looting, and the, the injustices in society today. Why is society the way that it is today? Who or what culture contributed most to why society is today? I would say Greek philosophy. Men like Plato and Socrates and, and, and so on and so forth. People like that. I would say that at the core, high on the list, philosophy is the reason why society is the way that it is. Because society is like, it's like the philosophy and the word of God is like oil and water. Now don't misinterpret me there, because I do understand that the Word of God does contain some elements or some measure of philosophy, but not the secular version of philosophy. That's why society is the way that it is. And yet the church, we can easily reach into and adopt some of the views, some of the ideologies of the world. There's a reason why I believe 2 Timothy and that, that particular passage that I just finished reading, why it exists in the Bible. Anyway, let's move on. Super rational, because I, I may have read that to you. How many of you have ever heard that term, supra rational? Nobody? Just simply means irrational. How many know we're talking about faith this morning? How many know that faith is 
irrational. It's illogical. It is not reasonable. Because it goes beyond the scope of those things. Believing is God. Believing in God in someone we cannot see is irrational. And yet God has called you and I as believers to believe in Him, to have faith in Him, to be irrational, not to be reasonable, not to be logical, because faith goes beyond. How many know that? I, I hope you understand that. I hope I'm not the only one. Faith allows for God to become personal with us. Faith pulls us together. Faith believes God exists and it allows us to make the sacrifices necessary to become intimate with Him. Faith and faith alone accomplishes that for us. So if you're someone like me who desires to draw closer to the Lord in faith, if you're someone like me who desires to, to enjoy a greater intimacy with the Lord and with one another as well, because faith does that as well, then the secret is to turn to the Lord in prayer and allow Him to increase our faith. And how many know that if you read the Word of God on a regular basis, that's the source. That's the source right there for producing this, this, this growth, this development of faith within us. Point number two, faith establishes a good report with God and man. Faith establishes a good report with God and man. But don't forget that first point. Faith is a supernatural conviction. Faith is a supernatural conviction. But as to this point, look at Hebrews 11 verse 2. Look at verse 2. Faith establishes a good report with God and man. It says, for by it the elders obtained a good report. It says elders. I'm not sure which elders the author of the book of Hebrews was talking about, but the truth is, it just doesn't matter. Because the point is what faith established in their ministry. Whatever it is faith established in their ministry and in their individual lives, God was pleased with it. God was pleased with it. Because faith does that. It establishes a testimony in our lives. It also allows them to enjoy peace with those who serve with them. Look at... No, don't, don't turn there. I'll read it to you. But put this down in your notes. Proverbs 16, 7. It says, When a man's ways pleases the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. When a man's ways pleases the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. I love that. I, I absolutely love that. When somebody is inspired by the enemy and looks to raise up a standard against you and I, the Lord is always right there. As long as we are children of faith, as long as we are children in intimate fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, God will take care of us. How many know that God will always look after His own children? Not everybody's convinced. Not everybody. Let's try it again. How many, how many know that? Amen. Come on, let me see. Let me see. I, I, I'm, I'm giving you an opportunity to exercise this morning. Come on, God. Help me out here this morning. Amen. Thank you. Michelle, Michelle. Let me see. Yeah, there you go. There you go. The other hand, Cheryl. The other hand. There you go. Nice, nice. Nice. So, but of course, the idea is that the main idea concerning this good testimony or this good report that faith establishes or produces in us is the fact that Jesus Christ died 
He was buried and he rose again just like the Bible says he would. Amen, somebody. Amen. And the result is justification. Justification ultimately is the reason why we have a good report with God. When he looks upon me, when he looks upon you, he sees Jesus. Amen, somebody. Amen. When he looks upon us, he sees his only son. He sees, he sees us without blemish. And one day we will stand before God and he was and we're going to hear those amazing words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Amen. Well done, thy good and because of faith, but we gotta have it. We gotta have it. Point number three. And and by the way, by the way, I'm gonna be a little informal here. Look, I'm trying to behave. I'm trying to behave. He didn't help me out this week. We rode back together. He said nothing about the 45 minutes or an hour and a half. Roy, Roy, by the way, how? He said nothing about it, but I'm, I'm learning, right? I'm learning from his, his silence. And so I went, I've gotten down from six pages, Jen, to two. Now, mind you, I got both sides, so that's really four. Right? But that's from six to four. I think that's a good thing for me. Lord have mercy. Point number three. Faith sets the record straight. Faith sets the record straight. Look at verse 3, Hebrews 11. It says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. You see where I'm going with that? By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are Visible. And, and the reason why is because God created it. He spoke it into existence. But the point is, is, is relevant nonetheless because we live in the midst of a society that, it, that is increasingly moving away from the idea of creationism or creation. The numbers are climbing. It's astronomical. We are the minority. That once upon a time, Christians were in the majority in the United States, but not no more. Not no more. Look at the statistics, and they all say every single one. Christianity is, is in is, is in an extreme decline. Atheism is in an extreme climb, ascent. It's growing. It's developing. People are moving away from the things that pertain to God. And yet the Bible establishes clearly in my mind that by faith, God spoke the world and the universe into existence. For thousands of years, man has wrestled with believing in a creator. Wars even resulted over it. Why? Because of sin in the soul of man. Since sin serves to darken the heart and mind, and it's the reason why we got so much nonsense and craziness in society today. Mankind has fabricated evil continually, as I stated already, including the riots in our streets today. However, faith can turn it all around. Because faith and faith alone would bring about can in fact bring about a fundamental restoration to our individual hearts and minds. Only faith can do that. Faith can transform society. If good people, if godly people, if righteous people stand up and assert themselves and assert ourselves and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the people who don't know the Lord around us, we can make a difference. How many know that? Amen. I absolutely believe that. We can stay the hand of God. There's nothing new under the sun. There was a time 
and then a time before that, and then a time before that, when God through His prophets has declared judgment on the nation, on the people, whomever, and then because of the cry of God's people, God stayed His hand. He took it back and did not bring judgment on the people, the nation, on the individual. When God's people rise up in faith, we can indeed make a difference in society today. And we can do so by faith. Do you know someone who doesn't believe in God? Pray for that person regularly. Because prayer can make a difference. Somebody prayed me into the kingdom of God. I was a four-time hardened criminal. Somebody prayed me into the kingdom of God. We're talking about faith setting the record straight. Evolution is not the answer. Evolution doesn't even make sense. Evolution is a theory filled with holes. And no point, no main point of evolution has ever been validated or proven. None. The theory of natural selection, survival of the fittest. They say that it's observable, and yet it has never been observed, and it will never be observed. One single cell molecule has never been observed to evolve into a two cell molecule or organism. It has never happened and it never will. An amoeba is still an amoeba today. What's the other one? Paramecium? Something like that. You remember that? I'm taking you back. So your brains are ready. What? He's talking about amoeba, paramecium, paramecium, something like that. Single cell organisms. They still single cell organisms. Psalms 24. I was thinking about that psalm this week because I think it relates to faith. Faith is about salvation, isn't it not? Faith is about getting right with God. Faith is about becoming sensitive to the voice of God and giving ourselves over to God. And I think the psalmist in Psalm 24 captured that beautifully. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to vanity nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that fear him, that, that, that seek thy face, O Jacob. Lift up your heads, O you gates, even be lifted up your everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. He is the King of glory. Lift up your heads, O you gates, even lift them up your everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. I love that psalm. I love it. I love it so much. I memorized it. When we open our hearts to the Lord, He enters in and allows us to experience true life, true meaning, true purpose. And He gives us real answers. We're talking about setting the record straight. He gives us real answers. You don't have to believe in evolution. You don't have to believe in all these other crazy things that only pull us away from the truth of the Word of God. But faith must be nurtured. It's a muscle that we must exercise. Faith sets the record straight. 
Point number four. Faith imputes God's righteousness upon us. And this is the last point, by the way. I'm just as hot as you are. If not hot. <laughs> Faith imputes God's righteousness upon us. And by the way, I should say that I'm not necessarily going to read a verse in the Hebrews 11 because this point applies to everyone in the text. Abel, for example, offered the expected sacrifice. Cain offered vegetables. Abel offered to God exactly what God expected. Enoch lived a pure life. Therefore, he was snatched up. Noah labored for years because he believed God's report concerning the coming, the coming judgment. Abraham journeyed away from everything he knew and loved for all of his life to follow the voice of God. Moses gave up the glory of Egypt. And I love that so much about him. He gave up the glory of Egypt to shepherd God's people and to lead them towards the promised land because he believed in the God of Israel. And on and on and on we read about Gideon in Hebrews 11. We read about so many other individuals whom by faith they served the Lord and they were... They were accounted, or rather God blessed them with righteousness as a result. And I want you to, I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 5. I, I'm sure that you can quote these two verses, but I want you to see them anyway because these verses are intended to nurture your faith. Romans 5. Romans 5. Say amen when you find it. And while you're looking, I just want to give a really quick shout out to my buddy Miguel back there. Miguel's in the house. Miguel Gonzalez. He said, Rick, I don't, I don't appreciate it. I don't appreciate it. <laughs> Romans 5. Romans 5. You there? Say amen. amen. It says, 1 and 2. 1 and 2. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith. What does justification mean? Declared righteous, made righteous, declared righteous. I love it. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom also we had access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Those verses are amazing. They're extraordinary. It's the heart of the gospel right there. I love that. We are in right standing with God because of what Jesus did. And when we place our faith, it's not believing in God. Because believing and faith are totally different. And I don't like it when we mince words, when we don't clarify that. That the ambiguity that exists between faith and belief needs to end. There's a distinction between believing and faith. They're not the same thing. A sinner believes in God. Believes that God exists. Most people I know who do not know Jesus believe that God exists. They have just simply chosen to continue living life without Him in their lives. They believe He exists, but it does them no good because faith has not been activated in their hearts and souls. Amen, somebody. Faith is a supernatural conviction. Belief isn't. Faith. It takes faith to live my life, to pattern my life after the Word of God. But to claim to believe in God and that He exists and to continue living life on my own terms, that is not faith. The true conviction of any heart and soul is to do the right thing no matter who it is. 
to live the right way, no matter who it is. However, it is not possible to do so without faith in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 6, Hebrews 11. That's exactly why that verse was inserted in there. Hebrews 11, verse 6 says, So without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Do a word study in the Greek. Look at the word faith. Study it. Flip it upside down. Tear it apart. Parse the word. Parse the verse and see what God will reveal to you concerning faith. It's different than believing. It is faith which opens the door to an extraordinary life. It begins with salvation, then it progresses to a bountiful life. That's why Jesus said in John 10.10, and I'm almost done, what's your team? One minute, one minute, I'll be done. That's why Jesus said in John 10.10, the devil came to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life, and that you may have it more. I have come that you may have life, and that you may have it more abundantly. Faith brings us close to God, and allows us to become recipients of God's abundance. Nothing but faith makes that a reality in our lives. Number one, I said faith serves to establish fellowship with God because it's a supernatural conviction. It translates us from the natural to the supernatural. And I also stated that faith is irrational. And it's true, but we got to believe in spite of the difficulties that exist in believing in an unseen God. Let me ask you, has God ever revealed Himself to you in physical form? Has He ever manifested Himself? And I'm not saying that it's not possible. We have a whole Bible that tells us otherwise. Right? He revealed Himself to Abraham, etc., etc., etc. He gave Moses his backside. It's a joke in you. Cheryl got it. Cheryl got it because she smiled. Anyway, let me move on. Number two, faith establishes a good testimony with God and man. Faith establishes a good testimony with God and man. It's extraordinary. You got issues with your neighbor, with your friends, with co-workers? Root yourself in the things of God. Root yourself in the Word of God. And watch how that relationship will be transformed. Just like that. Just like that. Got to turn it around. Number three, faith sets the record straight. God gives us answers as we draw close to Him by faith. These overwhelming questions that exist in society today. Questions that were raised by the notion of evolution and things like that. So many people have questions. Talking to a young man a couple of weeks ago. He's got lots of questions. Well, I'll look into it. He's got lots of questions. The reality is, if you just simply trust in God, in faith, the answers will explode in your soul. Otherwise, we will default to rebellion. That's how it happens. And lastly, faith imputes God's righteousness upon us. In other words, by it, He makes us pure, thus placing us in right standing with the Almighty Himself. Bow your hands with me. Let's pray together. Father, what a what a difficult subject it is. The subject, the topic of faith. 
Some of us understand it clearly. We may all understand the topic clearly. But it's a difficult subject nonetheless because it's the one thing, Lord God, that has proven itself to be most difficult for us as mankind. Yielding our lives to you. It's the reason we have wars. It's the reason why we have pandemics and so many other things. Indifference and apathy and misery and depression and, and a host of things. The list, Lord God, is endless. Because faith is extremely difficult to embrace, to grasp. It doesn't make any sense. It's irrational. It's not reasonable. You're asking too much of us, some would say. But I pray, Lord God, today, as we have discussed this in a very simple way, with simple points, perhaps a little too simple even, but nevertheless, may you give us the insight that we need to understand this relationship, this salvation thing, this truth thing, this word of God thing, this Christian thing, this thing called faith. Help us to truly understand what it means, what you are asking of us as individuals. Help us to line up, Lord God. Help us to yield. Help us to make sacrifices. Help us to do away with the vegetables from the altar. Help us to be like Abel, your servant, Lord God, who offered to you what you expected from him, who gave you the blood sacrifice that you expected. Help us, Lord God, to sacrifice our flesh on that altar as well. Because it's what you want from us. And I said it, Lord God, it's the most difficult thing this side of heaven for any man, for any woman, for any individual, Lord God, to carry out this thing called faith. That was no longer to minimize it. Because when we do, Lord God, we only end up compromising it. Because there are voices, there are ideologies that are beating down our doors, the door of our hearts, vying for our attention, things like philosophy, as I stated before, as I've stated so many times in this church. And it's because I'm upset, Lord God. It's because I'm upset over the inroads of these ideologies, these secular ideologies into the church and in general. Not this church, Lord God. I've never intended for anyone to perceive it that way. But the church at large, the body of Christ, the body of believers, the things that we subscribe to today, Lord God, it should not be because of our failure to truly appreciate faith. We love you today and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people say it. Stand with me, if you will, please. Let us worship together. He is worthy to be praised. Let us worship, church. I know it's hot. I know it's hot. But we're almost done. We're almost done. Six minutes. Depending on how long Roy is going to take the clothes.
theme this year for 2020 is summarized in one word. What's that word? Surrender. Surrender. There you go. And I was thinking, as Rick was sharing with us this morning, that faith uh, really is the evidence that we've surrendered to God. I don't know what it is that God wants you to surrender to Him today and this week. But there's something in your life, by faith, that God wants you to trust Him for, that you're struggling with. You're having trouble doing that. And so God's calling us to be people of faith. And as you go this morning from this place, and those of you at home, as you leave your home later today or tomorrow, some of you to work or with family, whatever, as you go, go with a heart of surrender, trusting with open hands to our God. Lord, help us to be men and women of faith. Help us to surrender to you afresh and anew today. Do that in each of our hearts and each of our lives as we surrender afresh to you. Do that is our prayer together in Jesus' name. Amen.